Welcome, one and all, to Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open. Straight spine, speak from the dock. Lower Decks, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 302, the least dangerous game, comes to you now via Orbital Lift. Some news from the fleet before this episode leaves Orbit. Pete, just yesterday we were talking She-Hulk episode 3 and the faux rage that goes with a show about empowered, powerful women who are in control of their emotions and well-educated. Yes, so if you're in the know of what we're referring to, check it out if you haven't already. I know Matt was uh, doing some bleeps and bloops behind the scenes. Uh, Some listeners had alerted us to some issues that Apple Podcast had not properly snatched the episodes up onto its thing, yet they were still on Spotify and found on our website by our intrepid listeners uh, but yeah, talk at length about the controversy, Matt, of that third episode. Uh, Pete, no controversy ahead that uh, this Thursday will be, uh, that September 8th will be Star Trek Day, celebrating the anniversary of that series. Also, coincidentally, the brand new date that Disney has chosen to have Disney Plus Day. Um <laughs> It, this new Disney Plus Day, 10 months after the last Disney Plus Day, which uh, many people consider to be underwhelming. Uh, so we'll look forward to heartfelt, enthusiastic, uh, live and pre-taped panels for Star Trek Day. Uh, and we'll look forward to uh, the things that Disney Plus Day shares. I mean, they've announced a bunch of new titles. Looking forward to Pinocchio with Tom Hanks and so forth. Um, but we'll see what other new things come um, on Disney Plus Day, if anything. Um, it's particularly odd that Disney Plus Day precedes D23 Saturday. Um, I'm sorry, Friday and uh, Saturday of next week, September uh, 9th and 10th, where no doubt they'll be making all their announcements. But all right, hey, you group them together, and I guess you're trying to, like, jump Star Trek Day. But, Matt, that Star Trek Day presentation, beginning at noon Pacific, we will be podcasting all the info to come out of that, what with your Star Trek Picard and your Star Trek Discovery and your Star Trek Strange New Worlds and your Star Trek Prodigy and your Star Trek Lower Decks. Well, the state of Star Trek being very healthy, let's head into our ready rundown. Program complete. Enter when ready. Martok is back, narrating his very own Star Trek The Next Generation VCR game, or the 24th century version, Batleths and Beanux. Our lower deckers are playing the Klingon role-playing game seeped in Klingon culture. It's a chance for the four to take some time together, but Mariner is called by Ransom to get to their meeting early, an hour early. Mariner and Ransom are helping the Dulane with their space elevators, with Billups and Rutherford in tow as well, but it's the engineers who are headed to press the flesh on the surface, with Mariner and Ransom completing the easy fix. Ransom's lifting while Mariner labors. A report from the surface is it's all kissing and drinks and dances. 
but after some time passes, the repair job has hit a snag, and the engineers on the surface have anchored the locals. Ransom says it'll all work out, and Mariner is told again that she needs to listen to her superiors. One update later, Billups is going to be sacrificed to the volcano, a telepathic god or a telepathic baby. Mariner has had enough and secretly prepares for a Trek 09 skydive. But mid-dive, Ransom calls Mariner. Time for them to save the engineers. And thanks for not going rogue. Mariner re-enters the elevator platform, and there are a lot of stairs back up. There's also a climbing wall, since the society is based on wellness. She meets up with Ransom just in time. Who's up for a skydive down? They do, onto the volcano platform, as the engineers are about to be sacrificed to the sentient volcano in the honor of a psychic baby and evil computer. But Ransom demands parlay and shows off his sweet bod. He gives an inspiring speech and saves the day. Later, he tells Mariner he's impressed with her new professionalism. Challenges can be good, like Ensign Vendome, the bullying goofball who's breezed up to Captain by embracing the power of saying yes to new opportunities. Boimler wonders if he'll be an Ensign his whole life, but Tendi notes that not planning can open doors. Boimler joins Sherwin's in a spring ball tournament. Boim's shrieks so well that Shax would like him to join the dirge choir. It's such sad dirging, and Shax is impressed. Lundy is there, too, and Boimler's skeletal frame would be perfect for the upcoming art class. All these yeses are working out to be great for Boim's, who stops by the bar for a drink. He's bold, Boimler, saying yes. Caranch, a giant scary alien, stops by and notes his species' desire to hunt. Would either Boimler or Tendi be willing to be hunted? Tendi says no to the predator, but Boimler says yes. He's marked in green goo, and the hunt begins in an hour. Boimler stops by Caranch's quarters to double-check the rules, and no, it's a real hunt. And go, with some spectacular animation in the halls of the Ritos and a stop by Cetacean Ops. Boimler is reminded by the captain that he has given his word, so happy hunting! Boimler hides in the repair bay, and Game Martok tells him to never back down, never give up. Boimler is ready to predator back, and he's not going to back down. He monologues and gets speared in the shoulder. This is the end now, and Karanch takes a selfie. After all, he respects life. And in the future, don't monologue, but good job, and Karanch will pass along praise to the captain. Back to the game, the four reconvene. Mariner's annoyed at Ransom, and Boimler's back with his shoulder mostly healed. He's bold Boimler from here on out, and the game has an expansion back if you'd like to continue with a subscription. The end. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Pete, we have a tactical analysis of this week's threats. Uh, let's start by talking about the, the ever-svelte Ransom. Yes, Riding Mariner here, as was set up in the previous episode, flipping the script, you know, sending the engineers down to the planet O Wellness and going to help Mariner learn the lesson that uh, the the red shirts, the uh, command division can do and carry their uh, technical uh, water. It suits the purposes of the story, both in this episode and uh, the arc of, you know, now Ransom is the new mama, that kind of thing. Uh, It does also, I think, vaguely have the echo of, like, 
this is the baloney that leaders do sometime and go, oh, wouldn't it be so valuable if I do the thing and you do the other thing? Look, we've learned things versus like, Pete, I think Ransom is well-trained in command things like uh, protocol and interacting with other leaders and so forth. And I think uh, Billups is a really great engineer who who loves his engines and his lifts and his bleeps and his bloops and all that. So again, I don't know how much the the episode is intentionally saying, you know, Ransom's a bit of a a bit of a lunkhead to do this switch, but it just feels like a very boss thing to do sometimes. Yeah, and I think in terms of a character in Ransom who we saw very little of in the season premiere to incorporate him so much to make him an antagonistic force for Mariner uh, when in particular they are so alike really works for both this episode and at least as far as it sets up for the season. Similarly, I appreciate how the story kind of uh, matures the notion of the Dulanians just in terms of it would have been just fine if they were the scantily clad, interestingly colored, you know, we greet each other by kissing with tongue people. The fact that they then take it a little bit farther and there's there's this social faux pas that gets worse and worse and worse, uh, leading to the ridiculousness of the sentient volcano, the psychic baby, and the living computer. Um, it's all for laughs, but it also, again, serves the story of, you know, the right people aren't in the right place, so there's a, there's a diplomatic issue. And the whole, uh, you know, cultural aspect, the, the wellness, uh, checking the boxes of a society that either has the psychic baby at the top of it or the sentient computer or both with a sense of checks and balances as they lay out here. And, you know, something as silly as attempting to get into a sacred temple without your navel exposed. <laughs> um, Cause sure. Ransom would have known to have done that if he and Mariner went to the planet and, uh, Rutherford and Billups uh, were where we would normally expect them to be, right? <laughs> I think in Ransom's mind, he would have figured it out a whole lot sooner, maybe. I don't know. But uh, Pete, no apparent navel on Caranch, uh, the Cromsapioid. Um, just a really wonderful character, very clearly cut from the cloth of Predator, evocative of those movies, evocative of the really wonderful prey movie that's out on fx in the last month or so um the fact that we get the star trek twist towards the end and he's actually a pretty nice guy and all that that's that's fun too well i think really the callback here to the herogen on uh star trek voyager the the predator based uh you know culture that they really worked in there the idea of chasing prey um, you know, went to the well quite a bit on that on Voyager and evocative of that. But at the same time, it, it's own kind of thing. And again, a, a cultural situation, much like what's going on on, uh, you know, uh, the, the planet beneath them. Thank you for the mimosas.
Let's use our long-range sensors to scan for some theories. Pete, not a lot of Captain Mom in this episode, but uh, I think the story not not bending her way. Hopefully get more of her soon. Yeah. Um, Matt, uh, I had the... I don't want to say misfortune. Let's just say the experience. So uh, flipping through Reddit as I'm want to do, um, fell down a rabbit hole. There are some people that really like Carol Freeman. I mean, like really like Carol Freeman and, um, uh, a Reddit thread. I'm never going into again. Uh, Pete, I assume you're referring to her, her great ability for leadership and building a consensus amongst the team while empowering individuals to make, choices within their, within their own departments and so forth um but it's interesting to hear maybe people dig her in other ways too uh kind of in a way that they do towel tendy huh pete i appreciated the uh role-playing game here batlets and beanucks um i don't know if you ever had the experience of playing the star trek next generation vcr game which i know that was not the exact title but it was a VCR board game, um, and I, I owned it, and I played it a few times, and I distinctly remember all of a sudden we're playing there, you know, because sometimes there's stuff on the screen, and sometimes there's not, and all of a sudden they're there, and it's like, all of a sudden, Robert O'Reilly, not as Gowron, but as another character, I remembered as Gowron, all of a sudden he comes on, he's like, stop, dog, whoever holds the dice now, you shall be sent back three places or whatever it is i just remember it being this really wacky experience and i love that they reference it here yeah and for me the whole idea with uh batleths and and binocs here the dungeons and dragons uh aspect of it and you know how hardcore the klingons are to think you know, so I'm a little older than Matt, um, old enough to remember that when Dungeons and Dragons in the 80s went through the whole, you know, suspicion of occult and corrupting uh, impressionable young people, uh, much of which has been referenced in particular the, the latest season of Stranger Things, but throughout their run. And you got to wonder with the Klingons, Matt, even though we know that uh, Batleths and Binox is a uh, Ferengi knockoff, <laughs> um, you have to uh, wonder, is it viewed by the Klingon citizenry as not occult enough? <laughs> like, is uh. there is there not enough... Uh, blood wine and uh you know violent corruption of the youth is it is it seen as too tame so like instead of like satanic panic it's like puritanic panic yeah it's too like, clean how, how dare you you know you had just a mech left there there were you know it's got bat lefts in the title uh yet there aren't any in the game um i appreciated a we got we got martok albeit game martok we got the update that he's also chancellor now at this point in the timeline so that's that's fun so pete good to know he's uh he's uh remained a leader in the klingon empire 
Boimler's trying to get his hands on the Galron expansion, but that we're told the Ferengis knock off all the famous Klingons. So apparently there's a Worf version of this. Uh, I'd love to see the Duras sisters, uh, the house of Duras with this, maybe Worf's brother. Uh, how about Takuvma, Matt, you know, with like a OG. Uh, and then, you know, we got to show some uh, Laurel love for uh, Batleths and Binocs, right? Yeah, it would be fun if this returns as a running gag throughout the season. I think, too, the way the episode ends with the game in terms of, you know, wait for the expansion pack, wait for the expansion pack. It was definitely a little evocative of uh, my experiences with uh, the, uh, I think it's called Star Trek Online. I think it's what it is because it's online. It's a Star Trek game. But that's definitely like an okay enough game, but they keep you around because but wait in three months there will be the Cardassian expansion pack there will be the new Romulus expansion pack and so forth uh and of course Pete they they uh sneak in or subscribe for the whole season I'm like wait a minute we're watching a subscription-based Star Trek universe here where they want us to remain subscribed so I don't again I don't know that they were necessarily spoofing directly Star Trek online or the notion that that this is Star Trek by subscription you know, this watching it on Paramount Plus, but uh, it, it, it's a similar sandbox. Captain Vendome, Matt, this uh, Bolian we had seen throughout the first two seasons that we find out through exposition has had a meteoric rise to captain uh, of the USS Inglewood uh, after his captain was uh, turned into a baby by a temporal rift. And has uh, created a bridge culture, all of uh, the same race. I have to admit, when, I was, when they mentioned him, when they showed him, uh, so he looks a little bit familiar. Yeah, he's the guy, among other episodes, he's the guy that uh, when Ransom went to the planet of the people who like uh, gemstones, it was Vendome who had packed, because uh, they had gotten rid of, uh, of buffer time, it was Vendome who had packed the wood uh, mm -hmm. reward not the gem reward that kind of thing so it's it's fun i mean look again because this is kind of the comedic star trek because this is the animated star trek i don't think we look that close to the fact that like a non-kirk somehow went from ensign last season to captain this season we just kind of roll with it um but it serves the overall message here of saying yes to opportunities uh, saying yes to things you might even be a little apprehensive about and and, and getting the positive from from all these experiences um so as, as for the, the the homogenous bridge culture i wasn't sure if that was like was that a joke was that commentary was that a bit of both um i wasn't quite sure where to where to take that kind of with the star trek message um yeah, it's an interesting one. We've never seen. I mean, we we've seen it primarily with humans, um, but the idea that it couldn't go the other way. Yeah, of course it could. Like, and why wouldn't a captain be the one to do that? You'd think it'd be perhaps a veteran captain, but probably the agent of change that a newer captain who suddenly finds himself in that situation. Uh, be want to pursue 
Uh, not a new idea, Matt, but referenced here with uh, Dulane, uh, the orbital lift elevators. Yeah, a fun return of the skydiving that we saw in Star Trek 09. Um, I, 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 I marvel at how the Lower Decks writer's room has so much to choose from, particularly, again, because they're somewhat unrestrained in terms of, you know, we have to hew closely to the Klingon War storyline. Well, that's not going on at this point in the timeline. We need to, you know, we're, we're Voyager, so it needs to be brand new stuff, so we can't touch, you know, Romulans or Ferengi. You know, it's there's just so much of the core of Star Trek that's available to them. And in looking for, clearly, a thing where you can say, you know, engineers, go be diplomats, and the command staff are engineers, and we're going to get character stuff out of it. Um to choose an orbital lift, to choose something that can that can harken back to the really great skydive sequence in Star Trek 09, um, but still have kind of pertinent character moments in this episode and really, among other things, give us a reminder that, you know, Mariner not towing the line, it's because she, she has a better command vision than uh, Ransom does at that moment in terms of the... Uh, the, the dire nature for the engineers on the surface it just it just all works it works as a reference it works as fan service it works as places for character growth well the orbital skydiving definitely not only a reference to star trek 2009 but the sequence that was pruned from star trek generations that would have seen kirk uh skydive down to uh scotty and check off uh that's in you know some versions of the the dvds out there um but the orbital lift thing uh i'm pretty sure was enterprise or deep space nine i can't remember there was an episode where they were fixing a glorified space elevator Again, they just they have so much to choose from, and they seem to choose well every time, whether it's for comedic purposes or action purposes or character purposes. What about the wellness based culture here, Matt? You know, you joke all the time, and we even have listeners who have written in this week about the napkin people from the next generation. Uh, but but here to do it and to do it in the best fish out of water way that the engineers wind up trying to liaise with, uh, the, the lounge people and the, uh, command division winds up doing the, uh, mechanical work. Again, I think it speaks to the great construction of this episode because they kind of hit us with, you know, wellness based culture that's kind of mentioned in passing as like, that's the alien type that they are. That's that's their cultural type. So, okay, ha, ha, ha. That explains why, you know, it's bikini culture and kissing hellos and things and show your navel and all of that. Um, but it's also seeding, you know, the end point, which is Ransom Six Pack is what saves the day at the end to get their attention and to, to, to resolve the conflict and so forth. Uh, so again, it's not just a joke. It's not just a, a setup for a joke at the beginning. It's actually a through line for that entire part of the story. Um, and so wonderfully 
uh, unearthed this kind of Chekhov's gun, this ransom six pack. Uh, when Mariner's going up, not just the stairs, but then it's the rock wall and ah, wellness-based culture. That's right at the exact midpoint of their part of the story to remind us about the wellness stuff and who's the most uh, wellness-oriented person on the ship. Of course, it's Ransom. How about the spring brawl here? Uh, Shaq's uh, dishing it out, which also leads into Boimler's opportunity to be in a Bajoran dirge choir. Yeah, loved the return of spring ball, the wacky uniforms, the, can I say, iconic racket? Certainly the memorable racket from the next generation. Um, I mean, it, it's a electronic fly swatter, is it not? <laughs> Um, I would be interested to know what the origin of that prop was. Were there electric fly swatters back in, I'm going to guess that was maybe in an early nineties as opposed to late eighties TNG episode. Um, either way, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great reference, uh, in and of itself. And, um, I, I quite liked this seemingly disparate, or maybe it is ultimately a disparate journey that boimler went on saying yes to all these things and how it's just left turn after left turn after left turn um it's good for him it's a good message for us all the um aliens with slightly different nose ridges line um i i have to confess i had a college roommate who you know when we would sit and watch star trek that would always be his refrain like Oh, you know, in Star Wars, they have an alien with this and they have an alien that looks like that. And it seems like on Star Trek, they just changed the eyebrows or the ears or something like that. So somebody finally said it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly part of the Star Trek visual aesthetic is to lean away from uh the non to avoid the non-humanoid so whether you're putting a little makeup on or even i'm thinking of like somebody like morn who is mostly mask and costume and gloves right there's very little actual kind of human skin showing he still is humanoid shaped enough uh, even though it's a guy in a suit who uh never got a line of dialogue um but Yes, yeah, it's part of the Star Trek visual thing that I think they've they've worked, uh, whether it was the J.J. years, certainly, or or in more recent Star Trek, they've worked to kind of get away from a little bit. But um, but at the end of the day, you take a person, you put some latex bumps on their face, and they're a brand new alien. What I think works the best with the, um, the C-plot, if you will, where it crosses with um mariner and ransom's story the idea that they're getting updates from rutherford and billups about this diplomatic situation gone wrong i think if we were down on the planet going through the story points of you didn't go into the sacred hall with your uh your your uh naval outer i i love that rutherford later refers to it as a b button not a belly button <laughs> and then they they take them out and that offends further um and then once he comes down uh to bail uh billups and rutherford out that um ransom uh 
his six pack is referred to as lava tubes. Matt is unaware. This is actually an intentional Rick and Morty callback. Of course, Mike McMahon coming to lower decks uh, from Rick and Morty. I cannot even repeat what they refer to um, six pack abs as uh, it's apparently a thing they took from the internet. Wow. Just wow. Pete, uh, there's a lot to say wow about when it comes to Ransom's uh, physique. I think you're, you're wise to hone in on the idea that the episode is better for us not experiencing the, um, the Billups and Rutherford story kind of through their own eyes or through their own, you know, through the camera being down there on the planet. The fact that we're just getting these updates, it's easier for us to allow Ransom to ignore it, even though we can see it's a, it's a, you know, an increasingly uh, dire situation. And on top of the wellness situation that, Hey, you, you show them you're, uh, you're a physical specimen and, and that, you know, uh, resolves this gigantic diplomatic situation, but also that if you do it in a demonstrative way that, you know, you, you have your spine straightened, that you're speaking from the diaphragm, that you are commanding in that command division that you can make the problem go away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's embracing the notion of the Kirk type giving a Star Trek speech in the last act and it, and it all gets solved. Um, you know, it, it, it's, in this lower deck style of having your cake and eating it too, in terms of just you get the speech or at least part of it while you get the chaos that precedes it. The Boimler prey story, um, you know, leading into it with him saying yes to everything. And then the humor of taking on this situation, he never ever would. Um, and crossing that with a return to cetacean ops, jumping into the uh, the dolphin officer's uh, pool with his shoes on. Yeah, I quite liked the return uh, of the dolphins. I, Pete, I, I think the scene is notable by being, to my memory, the first cetacean ops scene in which those dolphins are not um, trying to lure someone into an intimate situation um let's not forget there's all sorts of fun subtitled stuff from their prior scenes of you know hey rutherford you look really sweaty why don't you strip down and swim with us and things of that sort um it's it it occurs to me that this show seemingly has evolved and maybe this has been the case since even the early episodes but it seemingly has evolved into the deep space nine-esque character presentation where we have our core bunch you know, we have our core four that are the leads. We have our core four or five that are the supporting characters. But then there's this wealth of of minor characters that you can just choose from where if Boimler is going to be taking a, you know, a, a, or be hunted throughout the ship, you have all these different places you can go. And uh, why not Cetacean Ops for, for a funny moment, even if it's not horn dog dolphins uh, sharing their horn dog nature? Well, at least it wasn't the third type of prey that is some sort of 
winged lizard creature that doesn't apply here. <laughs> um, which was a great joke too. That it's, uh, here's the two things that clearly are a, you know, a figurative language that we can all understand. And then the third thing, alien, alien. Um, it, it's, it's yet another example of lower decks having that mix of the heartfelt and the, the, dramatic not a heavily dramatic scene but the, but the dramatic then just following it up with a with a funny joke the expectation once we have k ranch introduced to the story that he's gonna hunt boimler down uh harm him but then that he's had brunch during his delay of the hunt here with the captain uh and that she allows the hunt to go on um, and then it winds up being a catch and release type of situation rather than uh, a, a mortal peril. It's, it's kind of elemental comedy in that everything makes sense. It's just for Boimler. He's missing the one piece of information, which is this is rather passive hunting ultimately. I mean, I don't want to get a spear to the shoulder, um, and, and you know what? I'll just ignore the notion that there might be long-term nerve damage. I'm going to read that more as a joke than, you know, season 18, Boimler is still dealing with pain from this, that kind of thing. Um, but in the Star Trek world where, you know, a, a spear wound bad enough that you pass out from shock and blood loss is just a glowing light solution and, and, and you're good to go. Um, since he doesn't know that, he thinks this is a mortal hunt. Um, but of course the captain does and all right, so you might get a little dinged around a little bit, but you agreed to this. I might mention agreed, not fully appreciating the terms of what that agreement uh, meant. Um, but as a result, the hunt is okay because uh, it's just a little, just a little ding in your shoulder that uh, the doc can fix. How much exactly should I set aside to take care of the Ferengi black market tax? Um, I would suspect the black market tax is probably an additional 60% of the purchase price. Now, how moneyless Federation people are getting this, I'm not quite sure, uh, but this is not the first time by far that you know, the, the capitalism of the Ferengi uh, and the lack of it in the Federation kind of brush into each other and somehow it all works out. With that, let's open Hailing Frequencies. Hailing Frequencies open, sir. Pete, we go to the Twitter poll where uh, people had the option of uh, selecting which elements from the episode uh, they like to do while watching, which is a little random, but Pete, I didn't feel like a 4321, okay? Uh, 5% of people like to skydive while watching Lower Decks. I think that's maybe 5% too high, concentrate on your <laughs> skydiving, but I hear you. Maybe it's skydiving in your heart. Uh, 15% uh, enjoy uh, summer wear while watching. 35% enjoy mimosas. Uh, while enjoying the show and 45% of people like to lift those weights as they uh, watch this, uh, this charming episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. Some tweets. First one from Spider-Ham Lincoln, Tess LC139. Least dangerous was a good follow-up to Grounded. Best parts were Martok's Batlets and Binocks, uh, Karanch's shipwide hunt of Bold Boimler, and probably uh, Matt's favorite and homage to the napkin-wearing folks from TNG's uh, Justice, I did quite like that. Lower Decks for the win. Uh, Pete Stingray, a.k.a. Trek Girl 88 on Twitter. 
uh, replies to that, saying, Batlex and Binox was my favorite part, brought me right back to early 90s Saturday nights playing this with friends and wine coolers, and she includes a picture of the Star Trek, the Next Generation Interactive VCR board game, colon, a Klingon challenge, uh, which was a lot of fun back in the day. Uh, last tweet here, Pete, from Kevin Grogu's Brosuf, that's at Loves, L-U-V-S Wars. I was so happy to hear Kapla. It brought back memories of my greetings to my fellow co-workers who also spoke Klingon. Pete, I feel like we need more info on Kevin Grogu's Brosuf here. The second <laughs> best part for me was the blatant non-naval exposure of Rutherford. It instantly brought back memories of Wesley's overly frisky playing on Planet Edu, which itself, Pete, is uh, the episode uh, of TNG entitled Justice. So there you go. Hashtag it's, it's all connected. It's funny how often, I mean, the, that episode certainly does stick in the memory. Uh, but it's funny how often we've wound up citing it uh, through the years. Pete, what do you have there over on Facebook? Jeffrey Allen John Cox writes in to the Fantastic Geek Facebook page. I like the Trust Starfleet message. And again, Lower Decks seem to be trying to fix some of the problems of Picard and Disco in that regard. But it's kind of weird to root for a the system is, and the establishment are good and right message. Also, the Bozeman theme park was a little too Futurama for Trek. Um, they need to rein these guys back in a bit before they go full Rick and Morty. Pete, I know Rick and Morty, an Emmy-winning production. Uh, I would agree that, you know, Rick and Morty, The Simpsons, Family Guy, this show. Yeah, every South animated Park. show. South Park. <laughs> they, they all have their own flavors. Um I know that in the last week, Star Trek social media was sharing uh, the ostensible uh, pamphlet uh, or poster of uh, the Bozeman theme park. I mean, it's just so it's so detailed and so capturing that theme park experience. Um, I'm certainly willing to hear the argument that it's it's essentially the same as going to, you know, Cape Canaveral or something like that and turning turning this aspirational place uh into a theme park you know do, do we go to kitty hawk where the first the wright brothers first flew their plane do we turn that into a theme park it's it's kind of equally distasteful but this is the funny star trek this is the animated star trek it's all real star trek um but i think there certainly are things that we're meant to take with a grain of salt and if 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 it offends I'm not saying this is what uh, this is what the, the the writer. I'm not saying he was offended, but if if you don't feel it's appropriate that that's a theme park, then that could just be one of those things where you go, ah, this was the this was the animated funny one. I I, I don't need to live it in my heart. Robert T. Frost also writes in a fantastic geek Facebook page: Star Trek Lower Decks, the first two episodes. Matt and Pete, the first two episodes of Lower Decks has been wonderful funny, witty, and filled with Easter eggs. Two theories or predictions. The first is a bit tropey, playing off how much they seem to dislike each other, but also how well they work together. Ensign Mariner and Commander Ransom will become a romantic couple. The, uh, the tried and true trope of opposites attract, uh, and that could get us through several episodes, if not the season. 
two, maybe Boimler colors his hair dark purple because, like me, he went prematurely gray, or in this case, prematurely lavender. Also, thank you for being so knowledgeable on Star Trek history, the different shows, and the minutiae. If it wasn't for you two, I would miss 90% of the Easter eggs. Till next week, stay fantastic. And he spelled it with the P-H, your friend, Bob. It would be interesting. You know, we, we had discussed in the last episode how we suspect the hair dye joke is kind of, um, was in production anticipation of a live action uh, Boimler appearing in, uh, whether we're going to see it somehow in this season or certainly appearing with the, with the Stranger Worlds crossover. Um, and how we were just anticipating, like, they're just going to have the guy with his normal hair. They're not going to go to the trouble of wig, dye, etc. Um, it would be interesting if, since we have that anticipation, if all of a sudden it's, you know, gray, gray Boimler or something like that. Um, and that it's set up a joke whose, whose punchline is, you know, uh, months or months and months and months away from. Um, so I guess that's one, one to keep an eye on, the tale of Boimler's... Uh, true hair color well matt people that go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek it may not be you know a salon full of hair colors to choose from but we certainly offer a lot in terms of what you'll find in that spot indeed plenty of goodies there and our thanks as always for everyone who supports us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek uh, had some some goodies sent out recently, uh, and we have a, uh, a Patreon only uh, Fantastic Geek Unmasked uh, audio extravaganza coming. I believe I have that set to post uh, Saturday of this upcoming week, so uh, so that to look forward to as well. But uh, really, really could not do it without the support of our listeners and our thanks as always. Everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from, but it takes just a dollar to get you in that door. Can't contribute this month. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating in seconds, a review in just a little while more uh, to any of our 32 podcast feeds. Could really use some ratings right now on our Lower Decks feed, our She-Hulk feed, our and or the upcoming Star Wars prequel show helps the algorithm send us out to new listeners. With eight more episodes of Lower Decks ahead of us in the coming months, let's keep the conversation going. Pete, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R. 12,675 followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the P and the H. Like it today. In the next week, we'll be talking some Disney Plus Day revelations some d23 revelations some star trek day info of course back to talk she hulk on she hulk saturdays this upcoming saturday and star trek lower decks on star trek sundays for now though pete i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word i want my word back
never fails to take my breath away. I wish I could kiss her and squeeze her. Excuse me?